If I haven't yet met you, my name is Jonathan Kinberg. I'm one of the priests here at Church of the Cross, and I lead our bilingual missional community in the St. John's neighborhood, um, where we have a kids club and uh, outreach to um, mostly immigrants uh, from Central and South America there in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, what I want to start sharing today with you is a, a little bit of uh, my a personal story. Um, I've moved uh, so many times in my life, I, I've lost count of how many homes and places I've lived. But uh, since college and since um, about 20 years ago, every time I've moved, I've carried with me uh, a little uh, toy car. And um, this toy car usually, if I am um, well set up in the place I'm living at the time, uh, is usually mounted in this kind of memory box on the wall in, um, in my home. And it serves as a reminder of God's promises of his presence, and of his faithfulness to me. Um, about 20 years ago, I was a senior in high school. I was living in Panama and Central America. Um, it was about time to go to college here in the U.S., and I had no money. Uh, my parents had no college fund, no money saved up, and I had already been accepted into school, um, several schools. The school that I wanted to go to had given me a partial scholarship, but for that first year, I still lacked about $20,000 to, um, to go to college that year. And we weren't really sure what to do, but inspired by uh, you know, saints of ages past, like George Mueller, who lived by faith, uh, my family and I decided to uh, enter several days of prayer and fasting. And we just prayed, God provide $20,000 so that I can go to college. Um, had about three or four days of prayer and fasting, and the last day of that fast, I just kind of felt this prompting from God is, uh, you know, fill out your acceptance form, put it in an envelope. I think there was a $100 deposit I had to make or something, and, and go ahead and send that in. And I was like, okay. So I filled that out, uh, wrote the check, um, put the stamp on the envelope, and literally as I had the envelope in my hand, um, the phone rang, of course, as these stories go, right? Um, the phone rang, and it was my aunt calling. Uh, she's a well-to-do lawyer in Kentucky, and she had been in this long uh, court case representing this family and had just somewhat recently uh, entered a settlement. And she was calling to say, I will provide the $20,000 for, for you to go to college. And um, this is one of those like touchstones, touchstone moments in my life. Um, but what does it have to do with the car? Well, the, the settlement was she'd been representing this family that um, had... Uh, suffered this, this terrible accident. Um, it had to do with the mistake of a make and one of those extended vans uh, that had flipped, and, um, and so they were they were suing the, the van company. Um, and so the, this little van that I carry around, this little toy car, just reminds me of even in the midst of tragedy or difficulty or uncertainty of God's presence and His faithfulness to me. And I've seen time and time again. I have other little uh, memories in that memory box that when I'm in a desert or when I'm in a storm or when I'm in a time of questioning, I can look back and see those physical things and remember God has been present. God has been faithful. God is a God who keeps his promises and a God who is with me. Um, what I want to share with you today from Genesis is uh, water, wine, and rings, uh, a God of promises, a promise-keeping God, a God that we can trust to keep his promises, and God that we can trust to be with us. Um, if you have your bulletins, I invite you to look at Genesis 9, um, 8 through 17, or if you have your Bibles, you can open there 
as well. We'll be looking also at verse 7, which just precedes this section that we read today. Um, but let me give you a little bit of context before what comes before this reading here um, from Genesis. Um, of course, this is just after the fall. We see in chapters, uh, chapter 6, verses 7 and 11, that there is great wickedness in the earth. The earth has become corrupt and full of violence. Um, does that ring a bell at all uh, this week? Corrupt and full of violence. Um, we lament and mourn a week marked by more violence in the U.S. and around the world. And don't we long for redemption, for rescue, for that baptism of God of the world that we live in, for that healing? Um, well, this is, this is the story of the flood. This is the story that comes right before this. It's God's great baptism and renewal of the earth in the midst of great corruption and violence. Um, so we see that right before this, and part of this section is God... Um, making a covenant with Noah. Um, This is one of four key Old Testament covenants, Adam, um, David, Noah, and Moses. Um, These are promises made by God, and we see that this is particularly is in the context of worship. In chapter 8, verse 20, um, right after the flood, right after Noah exits the ark, and right after this great rescue Um, for him and the family and of creation, the first thing that Noah does is he builds an altar and he worships. The first thing that Noah does is worships. And it's in the context of worship that God uh, speaks to Noah and renews really the covenant that he had made with Adam and Eve and now he makes with him. Um, When you think covenant, think almost formal partnership between God and humanity. Um, There's a great article on uh, BibleProject.com on covenants that was really helpful in kind of preparing for the sermon, and uh, I may be quoting from it, but check it out too. And just in terms of when we think of covenants, not maybe language that we use very much today, but think again, formal partnership between God and humanity involving promises and commitments from both parties and signs to seal and to remember those promises. So promises and commitments from both parties, between God and humanity, and signs and seals that help both parties remember their promises and their commitments. Covenant is key to understanding really the whole Bible, especially the Old Testament. Um, But it's also key to understanding the sacramental life that we are invited into as Anglicans. The sacramental life we are invited into via rainbows, via water, wine, oil, via rings, really through all creation. So this is the context a little bit of this, of this section here of Genesis 9. Um, and I just want to look at two pieces here of this covenant that God makes with David, uh, with, uh, between God and Noah here in chapters 9, verses 7 and 8. Let's look first at the promises section. The promises that God uh, makes, the promises that we are to make, the responsibilities and commitments of both parties. Um, If we look there right before um, this section in verse 7, we see God promising um, and establishing uh, his covenant with us. And first we see this in verse 7, right before this section, it says the, the commitment that is for us as humanity. It says, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. We see really this echo from the beginning of, in Genesis with um, Adam and Eve and God. 
this, this command and this renewal of the mandate for humanity to rule and to reign with God, to extend his kingdom, to be ambassadors of God throughout the world. Be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth. We also hear this echo, of course, later uh, by Jesus in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, which we heard about a couple weeks ago in the um, Global Mission Sunday. So this is, this is part of the covenant and part of the promises, the requirements for us as God people. But in what context? And this is where we then we get to verses 8 today and so on. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those who came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. And here is then God's promise. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. So God here promises to withhold punishment, to avert destruction. He promises to continue restoring work he had begun in his um, covenant with Adam. We see in Genesis 3.15 this promise to one day rescue humanity through the offspring of a woman. God renews his original promise to redeem, to rescue, and to restore, that the punishment will no longer be on us. We see here this, this, this glimpse, this pointing to the future of Jesus who takes upon himself the punishment that we deserve. I will be with you. I am here. I am your God. You will be my people. These are the promises that God makes, and the promises that he invites us into is Love me, be with me, and go and love this world. Go and make disciples. Go and be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth. This renewal of all creation, participate in that as I have renewed it here in this great baptism, this great flood. Now you and you go and also participate in this renewal. So these are the promises. These are the commitments. What are the signs? What are the seals that help us remember then and help, in a sense, God remember the promises and commitments that each party has made in this covenant. Well, of course, here we see the rainbow. Uh, we see in verses 12 through 17, and God said, this is the sign, this is the seal, this is the remembrance, you could say, of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it'll be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. This is the sign. There's this interesting word, this phrase here, I will remember. We see it in verses 15 and 16. We see it earlier in chapter 8 uh, in verse 1. It said, God remembered Noah before the flood when he chooses and sets him apart. What does it mean for God to remember? Why would, it, why would God need reminders of his covenant with us? Um, I think in a sense, it's saying that God is thinking of us. It's a, it's a way of saying that you are in my, my focus. You are in my heart. You are part of my great concern. Of course, God doesn't need reminders, but we certainly need help remembering that God remembers us. We certainly need reminders that God is thinking about us, that God is focused on us. God has us in his mind 
and his heart. And he says, this is the seal. This is the sign. This is the remembrance that I care for you and that I am involved in your life and that I will be with you as we go forward. Especially when things are hard, we can remember that God is remembering us. See, Lent is all about God uh, remembering us and us remembering God's presence with us, his faithfulness, his promises, and confessing over and over that we have broken our part of the bargain. We have broken our part of the covenant. We are promise breakers, while he is a promise keeper again and again and again, that God is a faithful God. Um, this, the rainbow here is a pointing forward to the, to the symbol that we look at every week, the symbol of the cross, where God himself takes upon himself the punishment that we deserve. He takes the flood. He takes all of that great wickedness and violence upon himself. Um, this, the greatest, the maximum symbol, the maximum remembrance of God's remembering of us, of God's care for us, of God's love for us. Over and over throughout scripture, God uses creation, uses things. In this case, the literal wood of the cross, the nails and Jesus' body on there. But we see also throughout the Bible, um, oil and water, a, a burning bush, uh, sand of the desert, the, the burning cloud as they're going forth. The, these, these symbols and signs within creation that remind us, that point us to worship, that God is saying, I am with you. I am with you. I am a covenant keeper. I am a promise maker and a promise keeper, and I am with you. Um, just as a small aside, I just want to name how the rainbow has been uh, misused, uh, even by some Christians, and turned into a symbol of uh, perhaps cheap diversity, uh, what Bonhoeffer might call cheap grace. Um, see, the rainbow here is given in the context of punishment for sin. There are deep consequences for sin. And it, as we mentioned, it points towards the cross, the ultimate symbol of true reconciliation. Deep unity in the midst of diversity comes at the price of Christ's blood and is always entered into via repentance and a turning from sin. Jesus takes upon himself that price and invites us in through repentance this Lent to be reconciled with him and also to be reconciled with others from whom we are separated. So what does this look like for us, maybe practically, as we're walking through Lent these next 40 days? Um, I think first, it, it's just an invitation first to rest. Uh, I think something about covenants that um, assures me and comforts me is that God always takes the initiative in making covenants. He shows up to Adam and to Moses and to Noah and to so many like Hagar throughout the scriptures. God takes the initiative and shows up and is pursuing and is seeking to make covenants and promises and to draw us to himself. Um, in this Lent, the first thing we're invited into is really to rest in God's faithfulness and in God's initiative taking. We can rest in God's remembering of you. We can rest in God's covenant Faithfulness and Lent, God does the heavy lifting. We can enter perhaps this season thinking we have to do all of these hard things to somehow like stir up religiosity or stir up our hearts for God or to earn, you know, favor, whether it's fasting or uh, caring for the poor or so many things which are good. But that's actually not really the purpose of spiritual disciplines. It's also not the purpose of Lent. 
The purpose of Lent, firstly and foremostly, we see, for example, Jesus doesn't first go into the desert. He is first baptized in Mark. And before he goes into the desert, he is baptized. And what does he receive? He receives that symbol through a dove of, of the presence of, of his father and that remembrance. I am well pleased with you. And in that then rest, and in that assurance, in that seal of his identity and who he is in the Father, he can then go and spend 40 days in quiet and in fasting um, and in doing very difficult things later. That's, I think, the rhythm that we enter into Lent. First rest, first remembrance. I am well pleased with you through Jesus. And then, yes, discipline and um, abstaining from things and creating a space to hear and experience God's presence. So first, rest. But then, yes, remember. How can you remember God's remembering of you this Lent? How can you remember God's promises to you, but also perhaps a harder, more difficult piece? How can you remember how you have broken your promises with God and with others? How can you remember the way others have broken their promises with you? Um, and that's why we enter into then also repentance and, um, and lament. How can you remember God's covenant promises and his requirements of us to love God and, yes, to love neighbor, to care for the poor and the sojourner and the widow? We need reminders. And so this is part of God's grace to us in his uh, covenant with us and through the sacramental life is on Sunday, but then also throughout the week, we have all kinds of things to help us remember. We have water as you walk in. Uh, we have songs that we sing with our vocal cords. We have wine and we have oil that you can be anointed in while you receive prayer. Um, each of these are symbols or signs that we use today to help you remember. Perhaps like that car that I mount on my wall, perhaps during Lent you carry a small cross in your pocket or, or around your neck. Something physical that you can touch and feel, particularly if you're fasting or doing something difficult or particularly if you're just in a hard season where you need to remember God's presence with you. What kind of a symbol that's tangible and physical can you carry literally on your body to remind you of God's presence and his faithfulness with you? Um, Perhaps you need to cling in a new way to bread and wine and come midweek to our Wednesday uh, Eucharist just to physically taste and remember God's presence with you. Um, there's all kinds of symbols and various physical signs that can help remind us of God's remembering of us. This so rest, remember, and yes, repent. Particularly when you remember how you have forgotten, when you remember how you have broken your covenant with God and with neighbor, uh, repent. We are a forgetful people. We are not promise keepers. We are covenant breakers. We have not loved God. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And as we are confronted with that truth today, as we pray the great litany and throughout Lent, um, in light of God's faithfulness and God, light of God's character and his grace, we repent and we return to his loving embrace. Uh, Church of the Cross, I invite you to keep the cross before you, that rainbow, that sign of God's presence throughout this land. Would, would we beg God for the grace of a deeper revelation of our sin this Lent? Would we beg God for a deeper sense of our desperate need for him? Would we ask even for what Ignatius has called the gift of tears this Lent? 
that our hearts would literally break over our need for God and our covenant breaking over and over. But would we also ask God for a deeper revelation of the beauty of the cross, deeper revelation of the beauty of God's grace, of the beauty of God's forgiveness. As I finish, I'll just share another short story here. Um, just almost um, arriving at year, our year, first year anniversary of marriage. Was my wife, Lindy, and I were married just about a year ago in March. And getting to that point, though, was a long and hard road. I was 37, and she was uh, 36. Engagement also was a, was a hard road full of anxiety. For me personally, written in different parts of my story. And I remember literally on, on my way to our wedding here at Church of the Cross, I was driving with my best man, and it's still, in that moment, I was struggling with anxiety and fear. Um, it was a beautiful March day, beautiful March uh, spring day in Texas. There were blue bonnets on the side of the road, and it was a blue sky, and we had been praying that morning, and different mentors had called me, and I'd been praying with my best man. But as we're driving here, still in the midst of anxiety, we started kind of worshiping in the car and had some worship songs on, as we were driving, and one of the songs that came up was the song Promises by uh, Maverick City. And it says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn, when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. Um, and in that moment, as we were worshiping and singing, it was just kind of this, uh, just, uh, we both started weeping and just fe- felt the presence of God there in the car. And my uh, anxiety really just washed away at that moment. And the, our uh, wedding day itself was just full of life and joy. And I was able to enter into those covenant promises with freedom, trusting in God's covenant promises to me and his faithfulness to me. Um, and this is my prayer for each of us as we also enter this Lenten season. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we just declare your faithfulness over each of our lives and our families and over each situation which we are in this Lent, God. We declare that you are a faithful God. You are a promise-keeping God. And you are a God who remembers us. Lord, help us also to remember you and help us to remember the ways we have strayed and fallen away. Lord, not for the sake of beating ourselves up, but for the sake of returning to you, for the sake of receiving your forgiveness, receiving your washing and your healing, your restoration. Lord, and even in the places where others have broken their promises to us and there is deep wounds perhaps even today, Lord, I pray for healing this Lent. Pray for uh, washing uh, and reminding us that you are faithful, even when we and others prove themselves unfaithful. Pray this in Jesus' name.